the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast, your weekly view on the stories shaping shipping. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. This week, we're turning our attention to the growing industry concerns surrounding the issue of contaminated bunker fuel. Recent cases of bad bunkers hitting Houston and Singapore have affected hundreds of ships, far more than initially identified, with new cases emerging daily. It's not the first time that this has been an industry hot topic, but it has rather highlighted what looks like a very fragile supply chain. Perhaps more worryingly, there's a growing concern that the chaos caused by the current batch of contaminated fuels could be an indication of increased problems to come as the shipping industry struggles to deal with the 2020 sulphur limits on fuel and the increased blending of fuels. This week, I'm joined by the International Bunker Industry Association Chief Executive, Justin Murphy, who talked to me from South Africa. But first, I spoke to Dragos Rauter, the Technical Director of the Tank and Industry Body in Tatanko. Dragos, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for calling me. Last week, Intertanko put out a pretty strongly worded review of recent cases, and you concluded by calling on national governments and authorities to clamp down on, on bunker suppliers that provide contaminated fuels. Could we perhaps start by getting your assessment of how serious a risk this is being posed to shipping in these cases and, and what needs to be done about it? Well, I, I think that it's safe without, you know, without a problem. And what is covered in, in, in the media and what the reports receive from our members, we have, you know, tens or, uh, of ships, uh, 100, maybe well, over 100 ships that have had breakdowns on, uh, on their engines. And propulsion systems, so uh, meaning that many of them were left without power, uh, which in itself it's, it is a risk being at sea. It's a risk not only to the ship itself, but it's a risk to the crew. And you know, in adverse condition, you never know how serious will be the consequences. So, in, in our in our case, when it comes to laden tankers, it's it's a high risk to environment as well if something goes wrong. And obviously, you're only basing this assessment in terms of the reports that you're getting from your members. But judging by that, do you see this as an increasing problem? Is this uh, just something that happens to have caught the headlines? Or is, is this something that you feel is, is growing in terms of the risk? Well, I, I think it is an increasing. Well, looking to the, to the coverage in the media, uh, we've seen last week, we've seen reports of similar fuels, contaminated fuel. Um, uh, supplied uh, at Hong Kong. Uh, that was based on the um, on the reports we've seen from uh, uh, test laboratories. Hmm. So it, it started all. It started in Houston. Apparently, the first the first batches of this contaminated fuel was supplied in January, uh, and it grew up uh, out of Houston. It went to Caribbean, other Caribbean ports, and then it has been somehow find its way to Singapore, Malaysia, and now we see Hong Kong. Um, so it, it, it is increasing, and that is reflected by the media reports, by the um, alerts issued by the uh, test laboratories, and of course by, by uh, reports we receive from members. Mm. And uh, as, as I say, you're, you're, you're basing this on, on the members' reports, but from what you've seen, it does rather expose what is looking to me certainly like a, a fairly fragile supply chain. I mean, is is that something that is is concerning you in terms of the the ability to, to for, for contaminants to creep their way into this supply chain? Absolutely. So you are you are one hundred percent right. Is this is what uh, what the reason we issued our critical review? 
the main thrust there is the fact that there is no quality control uh, before the fuels are supplied to, uh, to, to ships. The only quality control is done by the ships. They uh, take samples and they send to these laboratories and you know they get the results within a week. Hmm. Now there are standard, standard tests, field tests, which cannot cover anything and everything which may be dumped into these fields as it, it is the case now. So coming back to your intro, I, I don't think we issued a critical review at this point in time and try to link the current issue with the, um, with the uh, sulfur cap enforcement of sulfur cap in 2020. But the only link we see there is exactly this lack of interest in, in, uh, you know, in demanding a, a quality control prior to fuels being delivered to ships. Mm. And the message from your report was pretty loud and clear. You were calling on governments and authorities to clamp down on bunker suppliers that are uh, providing these contaminated fuels. What, I mean, realistically, what are you expecting of who here? You, you calling on the IMO member states to do something about this? Well, I wouldn't say clamp down. I said, you know, in every activity, one could make a mistake. What What is lacking is a, um, a regulatory system where governments will demand on stakeholders of the supply chain which act under their jurisdiction stakeholder meaning blenders you know field makers whatever and including suppliers that they develop their own quality uh, control systems and if something goes and this this quality system has to be audited by an authority whoever is that authority is not up to me to say Hmm. And if things go wrong, if, you know, incidents, accidents may happen, mistakes may happen, but then automatically part of the system should be an investigation. Now, since we have seen the first reports, uh, let's say April, May, it took a, a couple of months for ships to figure it out what was the cause. It took a while that the, the information about this possible contaminated fields at that time came across the industry. So until May, it was a little bit of a confusion. Everybody thought that it's their own problem. And then in May, it has been more and more clear that it was a supply chain problem. So until, until these things are, are put in place, uh, you know, ships alone cannot solve the problem and, mm. and they will remain at risk. And do you see this becoming a bigger problem as we edge closer towards 2020. I mean, there's, the speculation has been that as you see more demand for blending of these fuels, uh, this already fragile supply chain is going to be more at risk from these sorts of problems. Uh, I, I'm not worried again with, with 2020 as such. It's again the lack of, of control. And this is not the first time, as we put in our critical review, we have had similar uh, incidents in 2005, 7, 2013, if I remember well the, the dates. So yes, it is a concern that if a control system is not put in place prior to the event, meaning before the ship gets, you know, uh, poor quality fuel. Yes, with new new um, uh, fuels coming on on on, uh, on the market, there will be there will be an increased risk or at least an increased concern. Uh, but this is quality control. Now, 
2020, the, the, if, if we go to the concerns about the near fuels in 2020, our single major concern will be the compatibility between these fuels. Each of them could be very good in compliance with uh, ISO standards, any other standards, but you cannot mix them. And that's, that's something that industry will sh should work in the future to, to create a matrix of uh, containing information on compatibility between these new, new fields. Wonderful. Dragos Rasa from Interstanku, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. The International Bunker Industry Association, IBIA, is the voice of the global bunker industry and represents all stakeholders across the industry value chain. And we're joined by Justin Murphy, IBIA's chief executive, who's currently in South Africa. Good morning, Justin. Uh, good morning, Richard. Uh, now, Justin, we've heard uh, in this podcast earlier from uh, Intertanko, uh, and, and they're raising the red flag over bad bunkers. We've seen a number of headlines uh, about contaminated fuels in the media this week. Could you give us a, a picture of what's actually happening? You've got a, a better view on this than most. Is is there a problem the industry needs to be worried about here? Yeah, I think the um, the, the the flag's been raised uh, several months ago. So, summarising very briefly. Uh, there have been probably in the order of 150 ships based on uh, anecdotal evidence which have been involved in issues uh, with contaminated bunkers predominantly loaded in the U.S. Gulf area. Uh, the, the problem appears to have uh, spread as cargoes from the U.S. Gulf area have been shipped or transshipped to uh, other markets. But what is uh, a problem uh, for us or the industry in general is that the root cause of these problems hasn't been identified. There's a lot of speculation as to what those are, but it's not even certain that each one of these cases has the same uh, root cause. Mm. And, uh, I mean, to that extent, it's very hard to deal with a situation when you're not entirely sure what the problem is. We've heard, you know, calls for, for governments to crack down. We've heard, you know, calls for the industry to look at quality assurance and controls within what does look to be a fairly fragile supply chain. I mean, what, what do you think needs to be done here, if anything? Um, that's a good, good question. So we'll look at it from a couple of different perspectives. Uh, um, our members are also ship owners, and as uh, you said in your introduction, they're involved in every part of the supply chain. So we have uh, our advice is to somebody that has a ship that's calling into the U.S. Gulf area next week, for example, is looking for a different level of advice uh, of advice to somebody involved in the uh, supply chain who's looking to resolve issues like this in the, in the longer term. So we've issued uh, practical advice via our newsletters and uh, online on our website. Uh, separately, we're taking a, a deeper look at this issue, so we'd refer people uh, people in the supply chain to the best practice guidance that DB has developed for suppliers for assuring the quality of bunkers delivered to ships. Uh, that's a piece of uh, work that we produced earlier this year, and in fact, it's being used as the base document for the IMO's own guidelines to suppliers. Separately, uh, again, taking a longer-term view of this issue, we've joined a consortium that will be using uh, blockchain as a means of facilitating an increase in transparency and traceability in the marine fuel supply chain. Uh, that's an interesting uh, development. And again, we've uh, recently established uh, or taken steps to establish a working group involving participation from the key parties in the fuel testing industry because one of the issues there, which uh, some of your listeners might not be aware of, is that um, the 
standards and protocols used for the testing of fuels aren't globally consistent, which means when comparing results in this current episode, uh, we don't have a consistent set of standards. So we feel that we can add value by facilitating the beginnings of discussions in that area. Mm. And I mean, all, all very well, but I mean, a, a lot of this surely should have been something that the industry has dealt with already. I mean, what what, what is the, the 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 blocker here in terms of having that consistency of of, of testing, and why hasn't it uh, become an issue until now? Because fuel contamination has been uh, an, a, an an issue on and off for the industry for many years now. Yeah, you're correct that um, episodes like this um, have occurred in different parts of the world over the last thirty years. However, the current uh, issues in the scale that we're talking about here involving uh, upwards of 150 vessels, it makes makes it one of the most significant uh, issues regarding contamination that we've faced. So I think, again, uh, the the fact that uh, oil is sold on the basis of uh, conformity with ISO 8217 and the fact that uh, this standard and testing to this standard doesn't necessarily... uh, catch all levels of contamination is is probably the most significant issue facing ship owners who may have been under the impression that having paid for a test like that, they'd be protected. But in fact, that's not the case. Mm. And I mean, in terms of the, you, you mentioned the scale, there's been a lot of speculation that you know this is only going to get worse as we get nearer to 2020 with the sulfur limits on fuel and the assumption that we are going to need more blending you know if we take the you know recent examples as uh, you know showing that you know we at least have some fragility in that supply chain do you have any concerns that this is going to get worse before it gets better no i think uh, again that's uh, misleading uh avenue to follow and uh, you can't uh, draw the conclusion that as a result of a contamination episode in the US Gulf that that will have uh, any correlation to the situation that we're going to face with the global sulfur cap uh, legislation that comes into effect on the 1st of January 2020. That is unfortunately quite misleading. But you don't think the current episode in any way reveals uh, an inherent fragility within the supply chain? Well, there are, there are two different questions there. So uh, do we feel that uh, testing methodologies uh, could, could be improved and that there'll be, uh, the industry would benefit from globally consistent standards? Yet, yes, we do. And that's why we're moving and agitating to help our members, to help everybody involved in the process um, develop uh, a better understanding of what what the risks are and and improve, uh, I guess, or introduce more globally consistent standards. Uh, That does not then, as a consequence of making that statement, it doesn't mean that we're concerned that in the run-up to 2020 or post-2020, we're going to face uh, more significant issues. You can't draw that conclusion from this current episode. Okay. All right. Understood. And final question. I mean, any practical advice you can offer to the uh, the industry and our listeners who who might be concerned about how they can mitigate uh, risks perceived or otherwise, I guess? The advice specifically in this particular case is uh, recognizing that uh, ISO 8217 isn't a catch-all standard that's going to protect you from contamination issues like this 
is you, you can't continue in a business as normal mindset, recognizing that there are 150 uh, other ships uh, that have suffered uh, contamination. So you, you're going to have to do something. If you're a ship owner receiving bunkers on board a vessel sitting in a ship owner's office, uh, you're going to have to adopt a slightly different strategy, uh, engage in discussions with your suppliers, consider who your suppliers are, ask what testing they've done of the product that they're supplying to you in advance of the supply. So say that don't continue in a mindset that it's business as usual because the, the, the risk you too could become a victim of this latest episode. Wonderful. Justin Murphy, Chief Executive of the International Bunker Industry Association. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Richard. Thanks.